1: And welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. After my full-time job got in the way last week, I am back this week, so you don't have to hear James Grande complain about me in these vacations. That was not the case this most recent time. Other times, it's probably fair criticism, but this time, not fair, not valid, not rooted. So um, James has not officially apologized, but I am putting it out in the ethos that I, in advance, will accept um, said apology from uh the underscore real underscore grande but i'm on twitter at colby r conway and i'm back in the saddle here with the salesman matt sells at the salesman on twitter matt's been about a week how are things going for you my friend
2: things are good do we have to refer to it as uh x now right isn't that the thing i don't know elon has another oh, crazy right idea.
1: yeah follow follow matt on x at the salesman and you can read his X's and That doesn't sound dirty at all. Right. And the X's that you like. Yes. Or bookmark, I guess. I don't
2: know. Mm -hmm. This is a very odd conversation to have. Um, I'm good. You know, another week in the books. It's been an interesting week for baseball. Like, I feel like the ALE standings have flipped about four times in the last six days. Um, My Nats pulled off a sweep for the first time in two years. They swept the Giants. So that's feeling pretty. And they lit up. was it Logan Webb? They lit up for like ten runs, uh, so feeling pretty decent about that. But, yep,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, how can you not? How I can mean, you not? I like it,
2: and the guys we got for San Diego are just continuing to show that that's a very
1: lopsided trade. I think I am in agreement with you. I know CJ Abrams is a guy I put in the Streaks and Trends article, so I'm I mean glad he's out well. Trey
2: Turner this year.
1: <laughs> Stop it. Stop it! You're not wrong, but stop it! I don't want to hear it. Can't hear it. Can't hear it. But I'm not wrong though. <laughs> no, I, I, hey I'm not disagreeing with you. I said that. I'm. I hear you. We just, you know, let's. We don't talk about that. Let's... Yeah, Trey Turner,
2: if you're listening, I want my twenty auction dollars back, please.
1: There you go. Well, let's. Talk by the about way, that's in a
2: hundred dollar budget. So in a two sixty league, that's
1: equivalent to like forty five dollars. Yeah, for or for 60 sure. bucks or whatever it is. For sure. And Matt, a couple things. Obviously, the MLB trade deadline is right around the corner. So we're going to talk to that with a fun little uh, segment here. Just want to get your insight on a couple things. But first, got to talk about a young Milwaukee outfielder who got the call. Sal Freelick gets the call, comes up, if I'm not mistaken, three hits in his debut, if I remember correctly. Um, and now, I mean, he's a bat that can make contact. So that should surely help this Milwaukee lineup that seems to struggle to do that. At time. So what do you think the rest of the way for look, just how valuable can he be for fantasy managers here in the, the second half?
2: Uh, I think he can be pretty decently valuable. He's going to get some decent playing time. Outfield is a position that's thinned out, whether it be from injuries or from dudes just not showing up and playing well. Um, he's been, you know, it, it was a little bit of, you know, pick your poison with uh, the Brewers outfield prospects. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, Garrett Mitchell come up. We've seen, you know, another guy come up. Now we got Sal Frelick. You still got Jackson Churio, who's the best one of the bunch. But Frelick to me, is kind of an under-the-radar ad. He's going to be a high-contact guy. He walks a pretty decent amount. He's got decent pop and decent speed, but it's not going to like, you know, we're not talking an easy 2020 guy, right? When they drafted him, the comp was – or the, the idea was he was a baseball player. He's going to do a little bit of everything and not hurt you, right? Um, but down the stretch here, we could use a high average guy who's got a decent amount of pop and, you know, a little bit of speed for sure. I don't see why we wouldn't be looking for him. Now, we're only swapping him out for a bench guy, right? You're not going to take a starting outfielder for you and swap him. If you need bench depth, swap out a bench guy who's not getting a whole lot of at-bats and add South Reilly.
1: Yep. And then when you look at to I'm looking at your updated prospect uh report and rankings over at fantasyalarm.com, which if you haven't checked that out, you should. And post draft, you had him coming in at number 44 overall, second in the Brewers system, and just inside the top 20 overall of outfielders. So to say the least, you're relatively high on the on on the on the the youngster in the outfield. Yeah, he's gonna I
2: mean he's gonna do a little bit of everything for you for fantasy. He's not gonna light the stat line up we're not talking about you know a 30 30 guy or a 25 25 guy over the course of a full season he may get to 2020 but it's going to be like the most bulldogish 2020 you've ever seen it's not going to be any <laughs> it's not going to be like a kyle tucker easy 2020 year you know um but i have no problems adding south Freyland.
1: And now, of course, let's talk about the MLB trade deadline, just like we're going to each episode leading up to the deadline and probably a day or two after the deadline as well. So WWMD, what would Matt Sells do? I left the S out. It's easier. So what would Matt Sells do? So Matt, a couple teams here. One, want to just get your insight here. Leading up to the deadline, a couple of noteworthy teams and maybe some precarious or interesting spots. So let's start with this. If you were or if you were the GM of these teams or just involved in baseball operations, however you want to word it, would you be buying or selling for these couple of teams? So let's start with the Angels. Four games back out of the wild card. They have won six of their last 10. Everything right now surrounding the Angels is around, will they trade Otani? Will they trade Otani? But what if you flip the coin and say, is this a chance? I don't think they can afford Otani anyway. But let's try to buy at the deadline here to show an investment into the team's success long-term and maybe an attempt to keep Otani. So let's say this. If you were the GM, would you be buying or selling? And then what do you actually think happens with the Angels?
2: If I'm the Angels, I sell. Like you've had, what, six years now with Trout and Otani together and another four with Rendon added to that. And there's been some other guys in that span. Like I think an aging pool was still there. You had um you know a few other not earth-shaking guys but you know decent players and it hasn't worked i don't think there's any way they have the money to resign shohei otani he's going to command at least 10 years 600 million dollars that's what we've seen reported from several uh anonymous gms you know from national baseball writers I don't think you can have $400 million tied up in Mike Trout and $600 million tied up in Shohei and then another $38 million a year for a shin-bruised Rendon who clearly doesn't care anymore, just wants to go to the beach and cash in his checks. Like That's not the way to build a team. Their farm system is terrible. That's not just my rankings, by the way. A lot of <laughs> consistent the uh, rankings put them put them in the bottom 5 of major league baseball so they need an influx of talent that also means they likely can't trade for anybody because you usually have to give up prospects to get people and they don't really have any even their first round pick this year was like yeah like you drafted Paven Smith like that guy hasn't done anything um so i think i think as hard as it is to do, I think they're going to trade Shohei Otani. I think they'll get about five prospects for him because the team that trades for him gets a two month head start on negotiating solely with him to sign him long term.
1: Yep. I am in agreement with you there as well. We head over to the National League with the New York Mets spending oodles and oodles and bundles of millions and billions and trillions of dollars for this team, just to be seven games under 500 here at coming up on their 100th game of the season, only four and six in their last 10. A lot of talent, a lot of money invested into that team. Really, it's going to be can they turn it around on the backs of their aging pitchers? do they potentially deal said aging pitchers? So what do you think is going to happen with the Mets? Do you think they end up buying at the deadline and trying to pay their way out of the struggles that they've had currently, or is this going to be a sell and then they're just going to look for 2024?
2: It's a very interesting situation, right? Cause at one point you have Steve Cohen, who clearly has no problem sinking money into lost causes, including 42 year old starting pitchers. Um, on the other hand, his GM, Billy Epler, is one who sank Anaheim for, like, a decade and then somehow got a job with a fully loaded Steve Cohen. So, like, I I don't know. They have prospects that they can deal. We've talked about it before, right? They could trade Mark Vientos. They could trade Ronnie Mauricio. Um, they could trade um, Kevin Parada if they wanted to because Francisco Alvarez seems like he's the real deal. Um and go get some help, mainly in the, I guess, the pitching department or wherever the heck you think you need help. So I think ultimately, I think they make some moves. I'm not sure it's going to work, but I do think they're kind of buyers at the deadline.
1: Yeah, they're an interesting one. They're a really interesting one. They kind of seem like that team where, I mean, it's, I'm going to simplify it pretty extravagantly here, but it almost seems like, you know, they have a they have a, a used car, that needs a new engine, new transmission, new everything, and it's like, well, hey, buying a new car would be about twenty grand, but fixing it would be fifteen grand. Let's just throw the fifteen grand in and try to, you know, try to write this, write the ship and keep what we have. But they, the only thing is, like, I'm looking at your prospect rankings, and they're not a loaded system. They have some top end talent, yes. but depth they're wise, terribly it is an issue. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um. So it's an inter like, do you just? Sink the season and tell Mets fans, hey, we'll regroup for... Because I also don't know where they go for 2024, to be honest. Because the contracts they signed this offseason are longer-term ones, right? Like, you've got Nimmo for, like, another three years. You've got, you know, at least another year of Scherzer, I'm pretty sure. You've got another year, maybe two, of Furlander, depending on options. So, like... I, and Lindor is there for like another decade. So, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure where they go. They're not letting Pete Alonso go anytime soon. They're going to sign him. Um, so it's just a weird situation because they got a lot of money tied up in what's not been a fruitful – what's not been fruitful signings.
1: And then right across town you got the Yankees, six games over, 500 right now. And obviously that AL <laughs> yeah, and that AL East can flip upside down in the matter of days, really. Aaron Judge took live BP, so he's in that next step of his coming back. The pitching is a problem. It's going to be a problem. It feels it's like at this a point it's forever a problem. That's an that's an yeah. that's, that's an evergreen X, am I right? Just say that it's the Yankees and pitching. It's been a problem since Brian Cashman became GM in 1996. Yeah, cuz I can't say tweet, so it's an X. It's a it's a new evergreen yeah. X that we could just do every single year. Yankees need pitching help in July. Do it again next year. We'll do it again the next year. We'll do it again the next year. It is an evergreen X at this point. But for this year, at the deadline, what do the Yankees do? Because I don't think one pitcher solves this. Like, they're this is not a good team at all. No,
2: it's a highly flawed team. It's Garrett Cole and 17 question marks on the pitching staff. And we've seen that. How many different starters have they rolled out this year and then sent back to AAA and then called them back up? And then, you know, somebody gets injured. And then they call somebody. Like, we've got IKF and Billy McKinney in center field. And we all thought Aaron Hicks was the problem. Like, it's just a flawed team. Anthony Rizzo has been terrible for two months, and nobody's talking about it, right? Jose Trevino, the most reliable catcher we've had since maybe Posada just went down for the year. So Ned don't even have solid catchers, right? Oh, I thought it was Gary Sanchez that was a problem. Nope, apparently it's just the entire system. So, am I torn? Yes, I'm still a Yankees fan. Do I want to see them buy? Yeah, there's one guy I would like to see them go get, and that's Shohei Otani, and they have the system to do it. In my heart of hearts, though, do I want them to go do that? No, it's putting a Band-Aid on ephemeral artery gash. Like, it's not going to do anything. Do you make the playoffs with that move? Probably. Do you lose to three other teams in the American League? Yeah, you do. And then what do we do? Oh, we complain. Oh, Aaron Boone needs to be... No, Aaron Boone's fine. The fact that he's had winning teams with these horribly designed rosters is amazing. Brian Cashman needs to go. And until Hal Steinbrenner sees that, I think they're just going to keep putting Band-Aids on top of Band-Aids on top of Band-Aids and bleed out.
1: I agree with you there as well let's go to the last team i got for you here the padres four games under 506 back out of the wild card they were the most active team yes. in last year's deadline to me they seem like it's going to be they're going to start with a sell and see maybe if someone bites on hater and snell they seem like those are the two that they may look to move but again Can we really rule out the Dodgers from, or I'm sorry, the Padres from not being buyers? Like, sure, the interest right now around them has been moving Hayter and moving Blake Snell, who just walked like 38 guys in his last appearance, which wasn't necessarily the greatest thing in the world. But what do you think the Padres are doing? My prognosis looking at it is that they sell, but after what they did last year, I don't think they can make those big blockbuster moves last year just to be selling a year later. That just doesn't seem right.
2: So with AJ Preller, they're never not going to be in the in the you know discussion to buy. It's like Jerry DePoto of the National League, right? The Mariners make I mean that guy made trades from a hospital bed one time. Okay, that's kind of AJ Preller with the Padres. I do think that if they are going to sell some of their pieces, the time to do it is now. Like if you want to restock your system, and make up for the lopsided move that was getting Juan Soto, I think you trade him now because he's not a free agent until after 2024. So you've got two pennants to go get him. And you can't tell me that nobody in baseball needs a bat, a lefty bat with power and on base and whatnot. So I think I think ultimately they're going to get enough calls that they wind up selling and be like, look, this isn't our window we're gonna fall behind the Dodgers. We're behind uh the Giants right now. We're behind the D backs. We don't have enough pieces to go beat them. So let's restock the system and sell. Yeah. It just
1: boy, what a oh, they can't the
2: resign. They don't have the money to resign Soto. Because if you resign Soto, you can't sign anybody else between Manny's extension, the Bogart's 11 year deal. They gave they signed you Darvish until he's 43 years old. Joe Musgrove is signed for another four years, right? Um, They just gave $46 million to, um, who was it, Robert Suarez. Mm -hmm. Um, You're still paying people who aren't playing for you either. (laughs) So I, I, I don't know where you're going.
1: Yep, I agree with you there as well. And, of course, the MLB trade deadlines right around the corner. We'll have you covered here at FantasyAlarm.com. With all of the moves and the fantasy-relevant moves, what it means for your teams and major league teams, we'll have that up on the site at FantasyAlarm.com. So, Matt, we got to talk about a couple injuries here. Not all that many very big notable ones, which is always very good, but probably the most prominent one. Corey Seager heads the aisle with a thumb issue. I believe they're just calling it a jammed thumb. Um, So, you know, he may not be on it much past the – minimum required stay but when you look at the state of the rangers it seems like they have a pretty logical plan in place and that ezekiel duran just becomes their shortstop and that's pretty much all that that's going to happen so his at-bats are fine not that they were in really much jeopardy beforehand but fantasy managers may have to prepare without seager for about a week and a half or so i can't see it going past too long if it's just a jam or a very minor sprain
2: yeah i would agree i mean it does think this is the second time on the il this year Good news is it's going to be a shorter stint than it was last time. And if you own Ezekiel Duran, congrats, (laughs) because you get even more at-bats, I guess, although he was already full-time anyway. Um, And if he was short on shortstop eligibility in your league, now he's going to get a little bit better of a shot. I don't think anything's going to slow down this Rangers offense right now. So,
1: yeah, even I mean, think about it. Even if he's out, I know Adelise Garcia may be a little bit banged up too, but I mean, they still have him. They got Josh John, they got Duran. Doesn't matter who they put Joe behind Hime. the dish, they're both going to hit. Doesn't even matter. Yeah, Marcus Joe Semien. <laughs> I mean, they're they'll five be like,
2: starters on the American League <laughs> All Star team. I know. So they take fun, one too. of them out, you still have four starters on the All Star team. And yep. Duran, I think, should have probably been a reserve based on how good he was.
1: Yep. Yep. I agree there as well. That when you look in Houston, looks like some reinforcements are coming. Looks like returns for Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve are on the horizon. And then Michael Brantley, maybe seeing him a little bit put an average or a high average bat, probably knowing them near the top of the lineup because.
2: Yeah, he if was going to be if if their number move, two hitter, right? was not that?
1: They move Kyle Tucker out of the top three or four of this lineup, which I know they're going to once Michael Brantley returns. But I mean, good grief. How can you do it?
2: I mean, didn't didn't we have this discussion during spring training that Dusty Baker said that when Michael Brantley's back, he's his number two hole hitter no matter what?
1: Yeah, because he's ageist.
2: Yeah, well, that's what you get from a 73-year-old manager. <laughs> 74, 74? I don't know. He invented the high five. It's pretty awesome. Um, I, I'm not making that up, by the way. He's legitimately credited with inventing the high five. Um,
0: Do you I mean, if all he these- hit
2: number two, great for fantasy value in front of that – Three, four, five, six in that order. But like if Altuve's back, where are you hitting Altuve in that order? You're not hitting him two,
1: or hit him lead off,
2: or lead off, and then you get Brantley you. two, and then what Tucker three? Well, Jordan, four when he's back.
1: I I'd almost think knowing them and because it's just not the right thing to do. They put jordan three Bregman stays four and they would put Kyle Tucker at five, which would make absolutely no sense. But I, I, I get it, I guess. Or they say, screw it. Put Brantley where he belongs. Put him at like fifth or sixth and you go Altuve, Tucker, Jordan, Bregman.
2: Yeah. Although if you're going to go that far, why not put <laughs> Brantley at nine and just get a second well, leadoff hitter?
1: That's true. But now with, with these guys coming back, Do you think that's going to strengthen Houston's case for buying it all? Because I know right now we've seen the we've seen the the exes about, you know, that they're rumored to really like Dylan Cease and somehow Luis Robert Jr. I don't know how that's going to. I've seen
2: rumors of Cody Bellinger, too, but but,
1: do they need outfield help? Well,
2: maybe the other thing is as
1: McCormick. Yeah, I mean, McCormick – I mean, this hot streak's going to end for him. Like, this is just not – I mean, right,
2: but he's at least a pretty solid
1: defender. Oh, yeah, he's, and he's a fine bench bat, too. I mean, I'm okay right. with him there.
2: But the question is, who are they giving up? Because Houston doesn't exactly have the deepest farm system either. Now, maybe it's the Astros and they can convince people that, you know, hey, we drafted, all the, drafted and signed these guys, and now, look, they make up all of our – core of our team so you can trust that they'll be good but like I don't know maybe the Cubs don't need very much for Bellinger because he's on a one year deal I don't remember if Cease is a free agent at the end of the year I feel like he has another year Um I know Giolito's a free agent at the end of the year so maybe those guys are cheaper options yeah. um, but I could see the Astros still buying because look they're in a dead heat with the Rangers in the AL West, um, if the Mariners add, they can t- they have the offense and pitching to turn it around relatively quickly. You don't want any parts of the five-team race for three wild card spots in the AL East, right? So I can see him adding. Yep,
1: I do as well. And I just looked; Dylan Cease is a free agent after the 2025.
2: Oh, so there's so he's like Soto at this point. He can be a part of three pit. Pay- if I was the White Sox, I would look at dealing Dylan C's. <laughs> you're not going to get the return Soto got, obviously. But right. you're dealing a high value frontline starter with two and a half seasons left, and you have no prospects in your system. I'd probably deal him.
1: Yeah, I think you have to as well. And then the last one here, nothing really major to note right now, but Chris Bryant just getting battered and bruised. Hit by pitch in the forearm, missed a game or two, comes back, uh plays a game or two, hit on the finger, x-rays were negative, so. Maybe maybe a day day to day thing with Chris Bryant. Nothing to be overly concerned about for me right now. But
2: that, that signing is looking more and more questionable. By the like, one of the signing? he's one of
1: the most annoying people to roster in fantasy.
2: Which signing is worse, Rendon's or Bryant's? Oof. Also, by the way, you have to factor in that Bryant followed them paying fifty million dollars to not have an already signed Nolan Arenado still yeah. on their roster.
1: Yeah, the Rendon Rendon one's really bad.
2: I know, but coming off the 2019 World Series, like, he just started falling apart. Like, Bryant was already injured and was already busted before they signed him. And then they gave him, what, eight years and
1: 187? Seven for for a little over 180.
2: Seven for 180?
1: Yeah, I mean... And the power's just nowhere. As an AAV
2: deal, obviously, Rendon's is worse. But on a coming-into-it basis, I would say Bryant's is worse because you already knew what he was. You already knew he was sapped. You had already dumped $50 million and had less left on Arenado's deal when you traded him than what you just gave Bryant. And you outbid nobody for him. Like, at least the Angels had to outbid... The deal the Nats gave Rendon and others had given Rendon,
1: hmm. but nobody was bidding that much for Bryant's services. Since going to Colorado in 2022, I'm looking at it here. He's hit 13 home runs in 107 games, and only five of them have come at home. Five home runs and 224 in 224 at bats in Coors Field as a member of the Rockies. That's insane. Good job, Chris. I mean, either
2: one of them is a bad contract.
1: You're like squinting yeah. hairs here, right? Because yeah. Rendon's played a grand total
2: of 146 games in four years with the Angels. Yep. Granted, Absolutely. 2020 was a 60-game season. I get it. But you now have 2021, 2022, and half of 2023. <laughs> and He still hasn't racked up more than a full game of season of games. So, yep.
1: Not good. No. Not good. And – Matt, let's go ahead and do it. Let's do our flavor of the week. I'll go first and make it quick because we got to get to everybody's favorite game show here. But for flavor of the week, I'm saying fantasy baseball teams and fruit medleys. You know, when you go to the store, you get that little package of fruit and it's got like the five or six different fruits in there. There's like the honeydew. There's the watermelon, which always goes bad in a couple of days and those things, which is frustrating. You'll get a a couple grapes. Um, You'll get a little bit of cantaloupe and maybe if you're lucky and you get a nice one, you'll get some pineapple. But all of those things play an intricate part in this puzzle that is the fruit medley. And it's the same thing like our fantasy baseball teams. You have your studs, a.k.a. your pineapple, and then you get the other ones. You got some fringe guys like the cantaloupe or the honeydew that are just there. They serve a purpose, but they may not be there all that long. You know what I mean? And guys like Chaz McCormick, we already talked about him. But while he's hot, you ride the hot bat, you leave him in there. And then once the once the fruit is spoiled a little bit, if you don't get around to it, McCormick goes on a, on a slide, you drop him, and you move on. So, just like fruit medleys, while each has their own intricate part and some are better than others, it all contributes to the overall success of your fantasy team. So, Matt, what is your flavor of the week?
2: Excellent point. My flavor of the week is beef ribs versus pork ribs. If you'd been following my Twitter yesterday, you would have seen that I was grilling up some ribs during the NASCAR race. Uh, my brother in law and I, you know, grilled them up. They were delicious. They were beef ribs, fantastic, right? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I made some. Pork ribs for a grill versus grill. Here's my thing. Are beef ribs really twice, really twice as good as pork ribs? Because they cost twice as much. So in fantasy, be wary of the guys that cost you twice as much and don't have that big of a gap in stats, right? Like, sure, the upside, everybody loves upside. And if the upside is there, great. But compare floors. Are the floors that much different? If they're not, then why are you paying twice the price for a guy that's essentially the same dude you can get for half the cost, right? Not saying the beef ribs were bad, just saying. If you give me the choice, I'll keep the money and get the pork ribs, and beef ribs are delicious, so are pork ribs not worth twice the cost.
1: I will take any, I will take either. I agree, I don't know if they're twice as good, so I will agree with you there and matt to wrap it up name that player so this will be i am only got one for today we're going to save the other one for next week just in the interest of time but his name has popped up a little bit so we got to do it so nl central starting pitcher i represented my team in the all-star game but i have been anything but that since the break i have an 11.45 earn on average over my last two starts and if we go back to since when the calendar flipped to june I have an ERA north of five, and my K per nine is down to 7.43. While it's been a very good year for me overall by my standards, my recent numbers have some of that shine wearing off, and lefties are starting to get to me again, posting a 5.48 slugging percentage against me since the calendar has flipped to June. What NL Central starting pitcher is this, and do you have any concerns with this particular right-hander moving forward?
2: So I'm pretty sure you're talking about Mitch Keller of your Pirates. Sure am. Uh, who for the first two months of the season looked like the ace everybody thought he was when he was a prospect for the Pirates and now everything with the Pirates has uh, not worked out since since then, right? They were darlings of the NL Central with the best record in the NL at one point leading the division and then now everything has
0: <laughs>
2: floated away. Um, I don't know what we're doing with Mitch Keller going forward. I think it's a start-by-start thing. I think you have to bench him until he turns it around, though
1: to be honest. And I would look at the matchup. If the other team is going to run out a bunch of lefties, proceed with caution. That was the yeah. issue in years past, and that is rearing its ugly head again. Like I said, 548 slugged by lefties against him since June 1. But, Matt, that'll do it for the first edition here of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast this week. Head over to FantasyAlarm.com for all of your fantasy needs. Baseball, NASCAR, uh, basketball. We got football, of course. Make sure you get your hands on our draft guide. Follow us on Twitter or X. I don't know whatever it's going to be. By the time I blink next or take my next breath, because it seems like it's changing all the time. At Colby R. Conway, Matt Sells is at the Sells Man. Give us a follow there. Once again, check out everything at FantasyAlarm.com, and we'll see you later this week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.